episode 33 of Moon P. Jug and Hobbs. We're so excited about this episode because we have an educated guest. Have you noticed a lot of our guests are kind of down here on the food chain? (laughs) (laughs) Not today. We're going steak, baby. We're going (laughs) right to a, a trained professional, and we'll introduce him in just a second. First, P. Jug, what's up? Hey, P. Jug here. Looking forward to it. And then Hobbs, how you doing? I'm doing quite well, sir. And you? I had heard that you spent quite a bit of time at the House of Comedy under your uh, other stage name as uh, Tiffany Norton, not Hobbs, which I think is a a miscommunication of your brand. I think you need to be one or the other. And I was thinking Hobbs is the way to go. Well, you know what? Maybe I'll get more work. If they just don't don't think it's a new act. (laughs) Like, wait, that's the same girl. We saw her before. Yeah, I was there all last week and was uh, really fun. You would have loved the headliner, Rocky Dale Davis. He was um, from, gosh, I think Kentucky or whatever. He did a lot of um, redneck humor as, by his own admission. <laughs> so I think you would have enjoyed him quite a bit. Well, and we talk a lot about whether or not I'm a redneck because I came from Nebraska and, you know, there's some country bumpkins out there. I don't know if I'd go all the way to, you know, go into a redneck kind of a thing. When I was in Texas, more of a redneck than Nebraska. We want to meet our guest, uh, Dr. Jonathan Parker. How you doing? Hey, I'm great. It's great to be with you guys. Thank you for inviting me. Every single day of your life, a lot of the way you feel is due to the amount of rest your body gets. Because during the course of the day, you use a lot of energy. If you're not well rested, you feel off all day. You might have mood swings. You can have a lot of different symptoms, and a lot of it, uh, people might be suffering from sleep apnea and not even know it. That's what we're going to explore a little bit. We're going to talk CPAPs and all that fun stuff. So what made you want to go into this field? When I first started my career, I treated pain, head and neck pain, jaw problems, TMJ problems. And one of my patients who came in to see me for a jaw problem, she came in for a follow-up visit and she worked at the sleep center as a technologist. And she said, and this is 30 years ago, this guy come in with his dental device and he wouldn't let us put CPAP on him during the study and he had severe apnea. So we let him wear his dental appliance and it resolved his problem and we were just blown away. So would you be interested in and coming over and and working with us, I said, yeah, I'm really interested. And so she says to me, do you know anything about this? I said, well, not not really, except that I've heard of it. And she said, well, will you come and teach us about it? At that point, I'm saying, wait a minute, I just said I don't know anything about it. (laughs) So anyway, that's how I got started. That's how I got started. And um, I'm blessed to do this work. It is so cool to work with people who are struggling with sleep apnea uh, because there isn't a day that goes by that I don't have at least four or five people look at me and say what you what you've done with me, you know, and partnering with me and treating this has changed my life. So I'm really uh, I'm really thrilled to have that opportunity. Well, in the way that we met was kind of strange. Okay. There was this little radio station called KS95. It was massive. It was a big (laughs) radio station, but tons of listeners. Right. Yeah. Uh, And and one day I am on the air and I doze off. 
literally we're going to go live and I would just kind of go away. I didn't know what it was, but it could have been that the show was that boring. I was putting myself out while doing it. It was your show. Uh, <laughs> it was my show. That's right. But, you know, and then Stacy, my partner, would be trying to jump in and save the day because I had just dozed off, literally. And eventually she mentioned this to my boss. She's like, oh my God, Moo's falling asleep during the show. Uh, you know, you, you can't have people on the air going to sleep. And so I then said to Stacy, I said, you know, God, I just. I just get so tired. And I said, I don't know what the deal is. And I said, I've tried one of those CPAP machines because I did two sleep studies and I could not take, uh, you know, the force of the air. I would put the CPAP machine on my desk and then I would breathe while I was working about an hour and a half to two hours before I went to bed so that I could actually get the vibe because when you have somebody blowing down your throat at that pace, Stacy said she could use her CPAP to dry her hair. That's how, <laughs> and, and I'll bet you, you could. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I just felt like I was drowning. I was very claustrophobic. I would eventually kind of get in the rhythm. Then I would move the machine to the nightstand by the bed. I'd plug it in again and I could once again, get the whole rhythm thing down and all of that. But I was wide awake and I did that every night for two weeks, and I just could not go to sleep. Uh, I said, well, how, how how do you stand the CPAP, Stacy?" She goes, I got rid of mine. I couldn't take it. I went to a place called the Snoring and Sleep Apnea Center uh, in West Edina, and the next thing you know, I meet these guys, and they built me these dental devices, which, you know, basically assist me in breathing through my nose instead of my mouth or whatever. And, you know, I'm thinking I'll do anything not to have the CPAP. And my neurologist says, look, if you don't address your sleep apnea, your vital organs die just a little bit every day because they're getting not enough air. What happens when you stop breathing at night is the fight or flight part of your nervous system kicks in and blood pressure goes up, heart rate goes up. Uh, it increases your risk of diabetes, cancer, um, high blood pressure, heart disease. I mean, the list goes on, dementia. So breathing's, uh, breathing's a big deal, and it's really, really important to maintain your breathing and your sleep all night. They told me my heart rate during one bout of apnea when I was wearing a monitor, my heart rate got to 177 beats a minute. Then my heart, uh, at some point the day, went to 38 beats a minute. You could see how the sleep apnea times that would be documented through this electronic device, you could see how my body reacted to not getting enough air. And P-Jug, you say you've seen me gasping for air like a fish out of water. Not since you've had those, the mouth devices. You've been doing pretty good. And then here's another thing. You wouldn't even think about this. But when you watch an NFL football game, uh, these are highly trained athletes that are in perfect health. I mean, they work out, they eat right, they do the right things to try to take care of their body. Well, guess what? Even some of them might be affected by sleep apnea. And then you kind of uh, learned about 
you know, athletes that need to perform at such high levels, they need rest. What did you get involved with? Because this is kind of cool. I have a, outside of my practice, uh, I have another company uh, called the Sleep Performance Institute. And my partner, who's a neurologist and sleep specialist, uh, Dr. Mike Howell, he and I have put together programs to uh, to go into corporations and work with athletes on improving health, mood, and performance. Uh, because specifically for athletes, as you're asking about Moon, yeah, athletes. Um, if they, well, let's just say sleep loss. If they're not sleeping well or they're not sleeping long enough, it impacts reaction time, split second decision making, speed, strength everything you need to be a great athlete. So, and it really isn't, I think, I think in five years, it's going to be as important as the nutrition and training components are because people laughed at that years ago too, but sleep is absolutely vital to performing. And the research data is exhaustive on what we're finding related to poor sleep and, and performance. We see it in corporations too people who aren't able to perform as well because they're sleepy while they're, you know, while they're working. You know what I wanted to know, because I've, I've had multiple sleep studies. Why do there have to be that many wires in the device that monitors your sleep? Because I have pictures and I swear to God, there are 50 at least wires running out of, you know, all parts of my body in order to study my sleep. And then when I get there, I know what they're going to do. You know, they're going to try to get me to use a CPAP. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have such a hard time getting to sleep. I take Ambien. I take Baclofen. I take Mirtazapine. I, I mean, I take drugs that actually make you sleepy. Uh, and I take Xanax. Yeah. I mean, so it takes a lot to get me to sleep. Once I go, I am out. Yeah. And I, and, and P jug, am I, am I like near death when I sleep? I mean, I'm out. You're out pretty much for how long? Six hours, probably seven hours. How many hours is the perfect amount of sleep or is there one? Well, if you look at all the research data that's out there, adults should, it basically shows that in order to have optimal health and live the longest, most adults need seven to nine hours. Mm-hmm. So that's what the that's what the research shows. I'll tell you, for me, if I can get eight and a half hours of sleep at night, I am golden. Yeah. So, and, but everybody's a little different, and it's fascinating because president the presidents of the United States get four to five hours at night. Margaret Thatcher used to brag about only getting four hours of sleep at night. Well, she ended up getting Alzheimer's. Ronald Reagan used to sleep four hours a night. He ended up getting Alzheimer's. Now, I'm not saying it's be totally because of their sleep. People say, well, I'll sleep when I'm dead, you know, that, but it really, it really has a huge impact. If you look at Guinness, the, the Guinness Book of World Records, so they will allow you to jump out of an airplane without a parachute. They will allow you to put Um, as many rattlesnakes in your mouth as you can for 10 seconds. They will allow you to dive off the highest diving board. I think it's 200 feet into a pool, but they will not allow you to try and go as long as you can without sleep. Really? To to get a record because 
it's too dangerous. You can, you can live longer without, much longer without food than you can without sleep. So okay. it's well, vitally important for how your body functions. Alcohol. What does that do if you drink before bed? Or what's the time that you might want to consider putting a plug in the jug? Well, I typically... <laughs> that was... That was... Sorry. <laughs> We're immature. Sorry, doctor. <laughs> no, no. It's, 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 it's okay. I caught it. I sort of moved past it, though. <laughs> uh, so what we tell people is... Any alcohol within four hours of bedtime um, will be problematic, especially for sleep apnea, because it not only impacts the brain, but it also uh, relaxes the muscles around the airway so the airway can collapse more easily. So snoring is going to get louder. You'll have more apnea events. But more than that, for everybody, alcohol gets metabolized a few hours after it goes into your body and it's metabolizing the liver, and so blood pressure goes up and heart rate goes up, and so what will happen is some people use alcohol to fall asleep. The problem is that after a few hours, once it's being metabolized, it will disrupt your sleep all night, and it's hard to get back to sleep or sleep well because of this change in blood pressure and and heart rate, so people do not sleep well if they've had alcohol, And, and you know, everybody's got these um, wearables, right? Fitbit and, uh, mm-hmm. and Apple Watch. They're all looking at, at their watches, the Aura Ring, the Hoop Band. But uh, And so you can see it. You can see the quality of sleep go down dramatically uh, with use of alcohol. What about overeating before you go to bed? I, I know somebody who does that. Again, what we generally tell people is, um, the healthiest sleep is going to be is going to come if you haven't eaten within three hours of bedtime. Okay. And because your body needs the time for digestion to start, and once you start to prepare for sleep, it, there are different systems in the body that now need to kick in. And if you're digesting food, it could influence it. So generally, that's what we would say. And you know, every night it's not going to happen every night. I think it's important to know this, though, to understand it, because then you can make an uh, informed decision about what you want to do. So So with me, I believe I had, is it 50 sleep interruptions an hour? Very possible. That means you stop breathing 50 times an hour. And, you know, when you stop breathing, oxygen levels start to drop. Uh, heart rate goes up, blood pressure goes up, like I mentioned before. So it puts your body under a lot of stress and it puts the organs in your body under a lot of stress. They said I have hypoxemia. Yes, hypoxemia means your oxygen levels are dropping. Well, and that tends to have a real impact on your body. <laughs> the other day I had a friend over here and I actually uh, was on line while he was here and I had my my chart from Fairview open, which is basically your life history uh, on a website of every yeah. drug you ever taken and all your diagnoses and this and that. Yeah. And uh, I I said I'm going to read you all the things I've had. And I've oh actually done them on the podcast. And there <laughs> were like there were like 25 or 30 things that are wrong with me. And then <laughs> after that, I said, and I have dandruff. 
<laughs> was it like the Dead Sea Scrolls? You're just rolling. <laughs> How long did that take to just explain all of uh. that? So, you know, Hobbs, how long do you sleep a night? Because when you're working at clubs and stuff, you know, you're out late. I mean, mm -hmm. you may not even get off stage until midnight. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen as much as it did when I was like really early on and working a lot of open mics and a lot of later nightclub stuff. I've always kind of had insomnia. But I am, uh, <laughs> this is not sexy, but I'm uh, perimenopausal and I'm noticing a lot of like insomnia. That yeah. like bad, like way worse than I had before. Really common. Is it? Okay. Really common. Yeah. The, the, the shift is that estrogen and progesterone are starting to, to wane. And so it can influence, you know, people start to get, uh, women start to get hot flashes and, and it can, it can really influence sleep in a big way. So there are a number of things you can do. Stay cooler. Don't eat near bedtime. Try and be as regular as you can about your sleep time, which I know is hard with your schedule. But really, the, the things that are most important, I mean, there are really sort of four, four issues related to sleep for everybody. One is having a consistent schedule as best you can. Uh, second is having good continuity of sleep, which means uh, being able to sleep. It's normal for adults to wake one to three times at night. That's normal. So as long as you can fall back to sleep in, within 10 minutes. But continuity is important. Quantity, everybody talks about how many hours of sleep you're getting. But the timing of your sleep is also really important. So if you normally, let's say you normally go to bed at 11, but on a certain night and, and you get eight hours of sleep, you, you, know, you wake up at uh, 7 a.m. And that's your normal sleep pattern. On a weekend, if you go to bed at one or two, let's say you go to bed at two and you wake up at 10, you've still got eight hours of sleep, but the timing is off. So you may still not feel you know, great okay. because of that. So timing's important. And then the quality, like I said, continuity and quality, uh, meaning you know, how well are you sleeping, how much you're waking up during the night, how long does it take you to get back to sleep and so on. What about daylight savings time? Oh, Does that screw everything up or what? <laughs> I think you guys. Well, what's your what's your experience of it for you guys? I mean, we just had it, so do you guys notice a difference? I definitely do, and here's yeah. the reason why: when it starts getting dark, like five p.m. or whatever, yeah. When it's like eight or nine, it's like you feel like, man, man I should be, I should have been in bed an hour ago. We go to bed. Our our kind of regimen is this. I go to bed when she wants to go to bed. Right. Right. And that's usually between 11 and 12. If she had her way and she falls asleep faster than any human I've ever seen. I mean, when she puts her head on the pillow, Ugh. it's like 14 seconds and it's game over. I am so envious. I, <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. My boyfriend does the same thing to me. He's like, do you think we should lay down? He lays down. He's asleep. And I'm like, Oh my God. I, yeah. I, and I try to not do a lot of electronics like in bed, like watch yeah. television. I generally, it's pretty dark in the room. We keep it kind of cool in there. But I just can't start to sleep. Shift workers. Yeah. Yeah. Think about being a shift worker yeah. where you're working midnight to eight or whatever yeah. it is. 
and then have the daylight savings time on top of that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting about daylight savings time. If you look at the research data, there is a dramatic increase in motor vehicle accidents. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. And heart attacks. Mm -hmm. Wow. Within a, a day or two after you change time. And it's, it's dramatic. It's crazy. And you want to know something else? There's also, there's also an increase. Uh, I can't remember. It's an increase or decrease in sentencing by judges. Oh, <laughs> they monitor, no, they monitor it. Wow. They monitor it. To, I don't know where they gather this information, but I thought, wow, that's, that's amazing. And so let me just comment. So Moon, you mentioned that, so you guys like to go to bed at the same time. The challenge is that if you guys are, have different circadian rhythms and the, the four of us, um, I would almost guarantee that all of us are a little different. Okay. Uh -huh. But Moon, if you go to bed at the time that P-Jug wants to go to bed, let's say, uh, and let's say it's 11 o'clock at night, but your circadian rhythm, if you, if I sent you to Hawaii and you had no responsibilities, you could go to sleep when you're tired and wake up when you're done. What time would you go to bed? I would go to bed at about one thirty or two. Okay. And what time would you get up generally? Probably 10, 10 to 11. See, okay. So that's your rhythm, right? Now, she wants to go to bed at 11. You go to bed at 11. How are you going to fall asleep if your body isn't, your rhythm isn't ready until 2 a.m.? That means you're going to lay in bed for three hours and think that you have insomnia. And most people in that situation, are, are, they can't turn their mind off. So yeah. they figure they have insomnia, but they don't have insomnia. They are, they just have circadian delay, which means that their body rhythm would be delayed so that they would fall asleep easily at 2 a.m. So many couples are in this situation because they want to go to bed to, at the same time, right? Yeah. But one of them's, the one, one has a rhythm that's, that's more advanced or a little earlier, and the other one has a rhythm that's a little delayed, a little later. And so... You know, sometimes you have to figure out how to do that. Now, what we do, what my partner and I do, uh, Dr. Howell and I, is we identify this in people, and then we help them shift it. I think Ambien makes you crazy. Well, I've been on that stuff for so many years, it's unreal. I can't yeah. believe it still has any effect, but I will tell you this. If I don't take my little magic white pills, yeah. I will not sleep. I mean, there have been times, like, at night. Yeah. I take 23 different pills. Yeah. Okay. Most of yeah. them supplements. Right. Okay. Fish oil, vitamin E, vitamin yeah. C, you know, yeah. all that other stuff. Okay. That Ambien is the smallest tablet <laughs> of 23 that I take. Yeah. I, and she will back that me up on this. I do not take pills one at a time. I take 23 pills in one handful bang down the hatch wow and there have been a couple of times when i couldn't sleep all night and then i would go in my wheelchair out to my desk in the morning to have some coffee and i see this little white speck on the ground oh. so one of those 23 pills didn't hit the hole 
Yeah. Right? yeah. And it landed on the ground. And, and even when my body and my mind think I've consumed Ambien, I, if I don't take it, I am awake for night after night. I think this stuff is terribly addicting. Uh, I, I am not a fan of the actual medication, but I know without it, I can't sleep. Well, then it, then it's something you should do. Let's talk about your personal life. Where'd you grow up? Nice segue. (laughs) (laughs) We've been talking about our sleeping arrangements. What's going on, Doc? (laughs) (laughs) How's your circadian rhythm, sir? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Am I in the hot seat now? Well, are you a Minnesota guy or what? I'm a Minnesota guy. Well, I was actually born in Detroit, but uh, my my parents moved here about six months after I was born. So I I, I grew up in Minnesota. I grew up in Hopkins. Hopkins. Yeah. Hopkins. And uh, I went to high school at uh, Hopkins Eisenhower High School. Went to the University of Minnesota. And uh, I went to the University of Minnesota Dental School. So okay. I'm, I haven't, I haven't really, uh, except during travel, I haven't fared too far from the Twin Cities. Here's what I've noticed after living all over the country, because my job was a gypsy job. Yeah. Okay? In Minnesota, people don't go on vacations to other places. They have a second mortgage called a lake house. Yeah. So you go there because, hey, that's your place at the lake. And yeah. there's a reason you bought it. And a lot of people stay here and you got to admit the Minnesota summers are just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, But then there's the beast that's on its way now. Uh, Some of the wind chills are getting up in my skirt a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have kids, married, single? I'm married. I'm married to an amazing woman. And uh, we've been married, uh, 43 years. Oh, wow. Congratulations. We we have three great kids and six grandchildren. So nice. I am truly blessed. I am truly blessed. So are they all well rested? <laughs> yeah, actually, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. So my yeah. daughter, my daughter calls me. Oh, this is oh, I don't know three four years ago. She says, "Dad, I just read this article that that I'm going to get dementia because I'm not sleeping." I said, "Bets, what's happened?" She says. Well, you know, the kids are waking us up all night long. <laughs> it's like, no, no, it, it, it's okay. This is this is about being a parent and that this too will pass. But you know, she was like really worried that because she's reading about sleep loss and, and yeah. so on. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's funny. What about dreams? Okay. People all have dreams. Some remember yeah. their dreams, some don't. Some yeah. remember some or whatever. Did you study any of that when you're getting into all of this? You know, I have a little bit, but that's really not my area of expertise. I mean, uh, dream sleep, rapid eye movement sleep uh, is is the time when most dreams occur. And it's powerful. It's a very powerful time. It also is a powerful part of the night because you're you're imprinting memories during dream sleep as well. But it's a very active. Uh, your eyes are moving, which is why they call it rapid eye movement sleep. Your brain is very active, uh, be, you know, during the dream phase. But your body is paralyzed, so your body can't move. And with 
good reason, right? Because if you're acting out your dreams, it's a, it's a problem. So I haven't, I haven't, that's one area that I find fascinating, but I haven't studied it in order to give you much information on, on dreaming aside from what I just mentioned. Yeah. I have a buddy who has a dream paralysis or sleep paralysis, but yes. and he's yes. still paralyzed. Yes. Like he's like, he's it's scary. Yeah. And it's, it's like, he said it was really hard. He got into a new relationship. It was hard to explain to the new girlfriend. Okay. I'm it's fine. I'm paralyzed, but. Yeah. You know, like, and then let me ask you this. Yeah. I dated a guy once years ago who slept with his eyes open. What's that about? Like, not wide, wide open, but they would be like this. So you would look. And I remember the first time I stayed over, I told him I had to leave because uh, it was in college and I had to go to my class. And then I, he, his eyes were kind of open. So I left and then he thought I had like ditched him. <laughs> and I'm like, I told you I was leaving. He's like, I was asleep. I'm like, your eyes were open. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have an answer to that one. <laughs> See this at the moon. This is at the part of the show where I say, "Look, I'm only a dentist." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna just ask you weird sleep things, I guess. Yeah. I know, right? Well, <laughs> then you know, and you hear about sleepwalkers and people oh, yeah. who, you know, people who do that. I remember one night, and this is honest to God. Uh, this is when P. Jug and I had first met, and I think it was a booty call about eleven o'clock at night. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> would never agree to a booty call. No. <laughs> no. I'm at my house in Lakeville and she is on the other side of Lakeville. And I remember uh, the conversation started about 11 o'clock. Uh, how you doing? And uh, you know, what's, what's going on? Are you awake? You still up? You, you want any company or whatever was said, you know? And uh, I had already taken my Ambien. Oh no. But it takes oh. a little while in order to yeah. uh, you know for the medication to kick in so i'd already taken it and i have a, a honda pilot suv i back out of my driveway and i get to the end of the street and i clip my neighbor's mailbox okay i trashed it <laughs> and i'm thinking okay i could go wake them up since it's past 11 and their lights are out and tell them i hit their mailbox or I could go to my booty call. <laughs> All right. And so off I go. And, you know, I get to her house. We spend the night, uh, you know, whatever. And the next day I drive back home and I see that my car is damaged. Some of the paint from the mailbox and chewed up my right front fender, blah, blah, blah. I get home and I call my neighbors and I said, hey, uh, looks like you lost a mailbox. And the neighbor says, them damn kids. And I go, what are you talking about? And uh, they said, well, there were these kids and they took their hockey sticks and they took golf balls and they were doing slap shots when cars were driving by trying to hit them. And uh, we turned them into the cops and they must have come back later and busted off our mailbox. <laughs> and I'm like sitting here going, at this point, I have a moral, I have a, I have a, a judgment that I have to make do I tell the truth or do I just pin it on the kids? Right. And I said, Hey, uh, I took my Ambien a little too early, tried to go over to her house and I hit, I'll buy you a new mailbox or whatever. So yeah, we made up. Everything's fine. Next night, my mailbox gets run over. Right? Really? 
Yeah, and I was thinking, okay, this is the we need to get a private investigator in on this one because nobody admitted it, nobody said anything. Still don't know who did it. Now, when you look at those sleep those sleep studies, yeah. I mean, how do you build those devices that make people stop snoring for the most part and and get better quality sleep? I mean, what I I remember taking the impressions and all that. Yeah. But who came up with moving your jaw out? That was a brilliant move. This originally started, oh, probably 90, 90 years ago, longer than that. Um, there were kids who had really recessed jaws and they struggled to breathe during sleep. So they made them a device to hold the jaw forward and... CPAP was invented in the early 80s, 1982, uh, by a, a, a pulmonary physician in Australia. And about three or four years later, a psychiatrist developed this device that fits over your tongue and holds your tongue forward. <laughs> and other devices that hold the jaw forward started to appear. But... It isn't until recently that it become became much more popular in dentistry. Uh, so, and and it's grown. I mean, I developed or created an appliance back in 1985, I think, uh, 95. And at that time, there were only a few appliances available on the market. And now there are hundreds that uh, I'd say there's probably 25 different designs that I think are reasonable. We use 12 different designs in our practice and we customize it to each person's situation so that it, it um, we're trying to make them as so that they are the most durable, comfortable and effective for each individual. So we customize therapy that way. A lot of people grind their teeth and I am one of those people. Uh -huh. <laughs> me too. Uh, yeah, me too. I take my dental device and I, I'm glad to put that in, thing in every night because I know I got something to bite on. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and it'll, it'll protect your teeth and your jaw from the effects of clenching and grinding as well. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and that's another thing. You know, I was getting cavities uh, because of a drug I take. Uh, uh, and, you know, they said your mouth is not producing enough saliva. Right. As soon as I got one of these dental devices, boom. No more cavities because I slobber like a dog in heat. We're <laughs> <laughs> painting quite the sexy picture. Just yeah. pounding hills, yeah. machines, drooling. <laughs> you know, that's the fascinating yeah. thing about sleep is that most people don't talk about, you know, some of the intimate things that happen for them during sleep. Yep. Because they, I mean, you mentioned. Hobbs, you mentioned some of them just with uh, sleep paralysis and, and so on. I mean, stuff goes on during the night and people don't want to talk about it because mm -hmm. they think it's too weird. So sleep is, you know, even snoring, a lot of people don't want to admit that they snore. Uh, so it's, it's, really, it's really an interesting topic. I'll, I do have one question. So let's say... I live alone, right? Yeah. I, I'm seeing someone, but I live alone. And if you live alone, how do you know that you need to go and get a sleep study done? So do you know what the, I mean? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so one of the questions is, how do you know if you snore? Right. And, and I know I do because I've woken myself up. <laughs> yes. But most people, when I ask them, that's why I don't ask people, do you snore? Because they say, well, I never hear myself snore. Right. But other people tell them that they snore. Right. So there is an app. There are a number of apps that will record you during the night. For example, there's one called Snore Lab. Okay. And Snore Lab will record you during the night and it'll graph it. So all you have to do is tap on the peak on the screen and it will play back your, your, so you, you can tell if it's your dog barking or if it's you snoring. Okay. So that's one way of determining if you, if you make noise or snore at night. Most people are totally unaware that they have apnea. In a lot of, you know, video content that we consume, I mean, we've got Amazon Prime, Netflix, HBO Max, uh, Hulu. I mean, we got them all. In a lot of these shows now, you know, when they're trying to be funny, they will show couples that both go to bed wearing CPAP masks, like in Grace and Frankie, right? And, And in a lot of shows like that, you know, CPAPs are showing up. Okay, so we have a we have a couple that are gonna hopefully come over this weekend for dinner, and uh, they are, um, you know, overweight. You know, I'm not gonna say they're huge. I'm just saying they're overweight. They, you know, they got a couple extra pounds, and they all know it. Yeah. And uh, they talk about how they both go to bed wearing their CPAPs. Uh, you know what I mean? Sure. And and, and I have told P Jug, I said you gotta try to sleep what with the way I sleep because I sleep on my back. I'm unable yeah. to move because of the multiple sclerosis. Right. Yeah. And so I sleep on my back. And that was one of the things I was told very early on about sleep apnea and snoring, especially, uh, you know, you will snore, have more events if you're laying flat on your back. And I believe Correct. that to be true. Correct. That was where my phone just went off. Sorry. What is a good way to, what's a good way to suggest without starting a fight to your partner or significant other, especially if it's a man telling a woman you snore, like, are there, you've been married for 40 some years. Yeah. How do you, how do you my wife snored. And how did, you, how did you, how did you approach that? Like, is there, do you have any wisdom? <laughs> you know, I think it's important to be just, uh, just say what is so just do it with love. I would say to my wife that, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I woke up a few ter- times during the night and you were snoring pretty loudly. And so mm-hmm. it, was hard, it was hard to fall back to sleep, mm-hmm. which is just the truth. Right. Right. And without any uh, other comments, you know, or opinions or irritations, I think is a fair way to just, and that's all about how to have a relationship. As long as you are just open about what's happening, that's all I would do with snoring. And she didn't want to hear, she didn't want to disrupt my sleep. So we talked about, okay, well, what should I do? Well, in my case, it was a little easier because I knew exactly what to do. Do it with love and be honest about what's happening, and there, because there are simpler, simple ways to, to manage it. So, if if it's just snoring, the thing I get concerned about is a lot of people with sleep apnea don't know they have it. 
because people with sleep apnea in many cases um, don't sleep well. So their sleep's disrupted. They wake up and they're not rested. There's, they are sleepy during the day. I mean, you should be able to stay alert and awake all day long without feeling like you need to, well, nap is good 20 minutes in the afternoon, but beyond that, it's, I think it's important to be sure that you don't have sleep apnea, that you're just treating snoring. And, and that's what we do in our office. We make sure that everybody is, they don't have to have it necessarily have to have a test, but they have to be assessed by a physician or have a recommendation from a physician before they move ahead with an appliance. So, All right, there you go. It's episode 33. Uh, Dr. John Parker, thank you so much. Uh, I love your staff. I love coming out to see you guys. Now all we got to do is go to bed. Yes. (laughs) Sleep well, you guys. This was a joy. It was really fun to be with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. It's time to end the podcast. It's time to shut off the mics. It's time to end the podcast and get a thousand likes. You need to share this podcast with friends in cars or bikes. It's time to end the podcast and get a thousand likes. Why do you always listen? I guess we'll never know. A fat guy in a wheelchair. What the does he know it's time to end the podcast it's time to get some likes go to your computer type it in and you're gonna win we are out of lyrics in boopy jug and hobs that was wonderful bravo i loved that oh it was great well it was pretty good well it wasn't bad well there were parts of it that weren't very good it could have been a lot better i didn't really like it it was pretty terrible it was bad it was awful i was terrible get him away hey boo Boo! let's put this show out of its misery (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.